Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. Hallelujah. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Acts chapter 2, if you have your Bibles. I want to just take a journey around today about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We'll just see where we end up. Y'all good with that? Let me say this, and I posted this on Facebook so you can go share it. But uh, Pentecost is more than an event. Amen. Pentecost is more than an event. It's a person. Amen. Pentecost is more than an event. It's a person. It's more than a one-time experience. It is a lifestyle. This isn't just something we celebrate one particular Sunday a year and, and move on and do something totally different. It's like saying salvation is just for Easter Sunday. Hello. Anybody hear what I'm saying? Bible doctrines are good every day of the week, every moment of the day. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. So saturate yourself in Bible doctrine. Saturate yourself in the Word of God. And uh, this is another great, this is one of our cornerstones, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Ghost. In Acts chapter 2, verse 1, and you say, well, you say Holy Ghost, and we say, someone told me this when we first moved, you say Holy Ghost, and we say Holy Spirit. Listen, it's just, it, there's no difference. It's the same. It, would you rather me say pneuma? I'll say, I'll use the Greek word, pneuma. Does that work? Well, we'll talk about the breath of God, the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost. We're all on the same language here today. (laughs) That's the power of tugs. We're all going to be in the same language today. (laughs) No pun intended there. Acts chapter 2 verse 1. When, everybody say when, the day of Pentecost had fully come. Oh, we're going to have fun today. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all, all filled. <laughs> filled. They were all filled. Everybody say, Me. Me. All filled. He wants you filled. He wants you filled with the Holy Ghost. He wants you filled. Amen. All filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utter. I just want you to picture this scene for a moment. There are thousands of people packing into Jerusalem. And right in the middle, there, there are these, what started off to be 500, now 120 believers, all gathered together. And they're waiting, praying, and, and waiting for the promise of the Father. And out of nowhere... Literally, suddenly, out of nowhere, comes fire, little tongues, little flames of fire sitting on each person and a sound of a rushing wind. I don't know if you've ever been, been in a tornado or for, for us, we've been in tornado. I've been in tornadoes and hurricanes. And when a sound of a rushing wind comes through a place, it's not something that you want to stay Right? If the sound of a tornado, you hear the freight train sound of a tornado, guess where you're going? You're getting into the basement. 
you ain't hanging out. You know, that's great. Glad you all have fire on your head, but I'm going to the basement. (laughs) This was an unusual experience for them. They had seen Jesus. They had seen the miracles. They had seen the healings. They had seen all the things take place. They had watched Jesus get crucified, beat, and now he's resurrected. They'd seen him resurrected. Now they had seen him ascended into heaven. They'd seen a man float up into the air. I've never seen that. I'm just saying, I've never seen anybody levitate up into the sky like that before. I I think my curiosity would be a little piqued by now. And now we're gathered together in an upper room and tongues of fire, little flames of fire are sitting on people and the sound of a rushing wind is blowing through the place. And we have a problem with people laughing in church. And church today has a problem with people falling on the floor. Let me tell you something. Signs and wonders have been all through the Bible, Old Testament and New. So we shouldn't be so surprised when God chooses to use something that is a little bit miraculous to display his glory. I mean, after all, he made you. It's a little miraculous that you're still breathing today, right? And there were dwelling, verse 5, in in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. They had come for Pentecost. They had come for the feast. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear them each in our own language? And you can go on, verse 9, 10, and 11, and speak in tongues as you read those out loud. And... uh, Try to guess all of how the pronunciations of all those places are. We hear them, verse 11, speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. You know, that's really what tongues is all about. It magnifies the Lord. It's a sign of the unbeliever, and it magnifies God. Just sum it all up right there. Glorifies the Lord. It glorifies the Lord. And uh, Peter stood up, and he said, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you. Heed my words. These men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only the third hour of the day. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. They thought the men were out of their mind. They had been drinking. It was 9 o'clock in the morning. It's okay if people think you're a little crazy. They thought and they have continued to think throughout the generations, those who live by the Bible, who experience the Bible, are a little crazy. It's okay. Get used to it. (laughs) And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. On my men servants, my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I, 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 this morning, it's like I can hear through the echoes, the ages of time. If we just rewind the clock and just hear, if we could just hear Peter preaching in Greek. But this, this word, I mean, 
And it shall come to pass in the last days. Can you hear, can you hear him this morning? Can you hear the, the reality of the prophetic words of Joel? It shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Peter wasn't just talking about that day. He's talking about our day. Yes. Whoo! Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father, verse 33, Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. And we'll just go to verse 33. I mean, there's a lot here we could read, spend a lot of time here, but, or I'm sorry, we just read 33. Let's go on down. Verse 39, for the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. Who is it? What promise? The promise of the Holy Spirit is for you. This promise is for you. I just want to cover a couple of misconceptions that we have about the Holy Spirit. I'm I'm just going to dive in and and take a little bit of a journey. I shared some of this on Wednesday night, so if you were here Wednesday, some of this might sound familiar. But I want to share with you again some of the misconceptions that we've created about the Holy Spirit. One is when we're to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Jesus taught his disciples and urged them, commanded them, Luke 24, 49, Behold, I send the the promise of my Father upon you. Wait in the city of Jerusalem. In other words, don't leave. Stay there until you've received, until you've been endued, until you've been clothed with power from on high. This was an urgent matter for Jesus. They had spent... All of, their, all of Jesus' ministry, they had spent with him. And yet he still told them, don't leave Jerusalem. It's important for you and I to receive the promise of the Father. It's just that urgent today. Don't leave. Don't go out until you receive. There's an urgency with receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit. He repeats himself in Acts 1 verse 4 before he sends into heaven. He says he commanded them... It's, Luke writes, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Again, it's re-emphasized. Don't leave. You need this. We see this echoed in the apostles. Uh, you know, Acts 19, when, when uh, Peter was at Ephesus. We see this throughout all of, all of the apostles' ministry. Have you received since you believed? Have you received the baptism in the Holy Spirit since you believed? We know then that this gift, this wonderful immersion into the person, the third person of the Trinity, this baptism in the Holy Spirit, Follow salvation. What is the requirement to receive? You must be born again. That is the, that is the prerequisite. If you're born again today, if you're, if you're saved, born again, that means you qualify to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Acts 2, 38, 39. We read verse 39 a minute ago, but they said, Peter, what are we supposed to do with this? And Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive what? The gift of the Holy Spirit. In other words, repent, turn from your sin, be born again, be baptized in water, and you can receive this gift of the Holy Spirit. It's the promise of God for you and your children and anyone that our Lord God shall call. It's a gift for you today. 
In Acts chapter 8, when the apostles were at Jerusalem, the Samaritan revival, they were at Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received the word of God. Philip had gone there, and they were seeing miracles, signs, wonders, demons being cast out. There was great joy, great excitement in the city, and word reaches the Jerusalem leadership. This is the church leadership. Word gets back, and they say, let's send Peter and John down there, that they can receive the Holy Spirit. Verse 15, the whole point of Peter and John going was that they might lay hands on them so that those believers could receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So again, we see the importance of laying on of hands, and we see the importance of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Verse 17 of Acts 8 says, then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 10, Peter was at Cornelius' house. Here's a group of people. They were Gentile believers. These were, the, these were the outcast, according to the Jewish folks. These people should not receive the, the gift of salvation, let alone the gift of the Holy Spirit in their mind. These, they weren't qualified. They were the outcasts. They were the Gentiles. They were the other people. And so Peter goes under the call of the Holy Spirit to go and he begins to preach to a house full of people. The place is jam-packed with people. And as he's preaching, verse 44 of Acts 10, it says, While Peter was still speaking these words, while he was preaching about Jesus, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. The Jewish people were astonished because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. How did they know that they had received the baptism in the Holy Spirit? They heard them speaking in tongues. It was the evidence. It was a sign that they had received the Holy Spirit. This baptism, this immersion into the person of the Holy Spirit. It was the same thing, I'm sure, for them in Samaria. They, they're standing around. These Jewish folks are standing around watching these Gentiles receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And their mind goes right on back to the first outpouring on the day of Pentecost. I remember this. I heard this sound. I remember this sound. It was the same thing I experienced on the day of Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. Amen. And so we have this misconception about, uh, about who is supposed to receive or when we're supposed to receive. And that is, you can receive as soon as you've been born again. Why are we to receive? You shall receive power, Acts 1-8, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you to what? Be my witnesses. That's why we have the power of the Holy Spirit, to be witnesses, to testify of the glory of God, to testify of the goodness of God. Tongues is an awesome part of that, and we disconnect, even in this generation, we disconnect the power of tongues from the power of Pentecost. It is all one package. You can't separate out, well, I like this part, I like the power, I like the part about being witness. The tongues thing, I'm not so sure about. You can't separate out what you want and what you don't want. It's like saying, I like salvation, but holiness, and I'm not so sure about That's not how it operates. It is the gift of God to you. You can experience the fullness of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Tongues is beautiful. Isaiah 28 prophesied about the coming of tongues. Isaiah, Old Testament. Everybody say Old Testament. Yeah. This is an Old Testament scripture about tongues. This wasn't, tongues was not an afterthought for God. 
He didn't say, oh, I'm going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit and, 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 oh, let's throw tongues in to just throw them all off. This wasn't an afterthought. He had it planned out from the beginning. Isaiah 28, for with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to this people, to whom he said, this is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. Another misconception that we have about receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit is where we're to receive. You know, the Holy Spirit is not confined to Holy Ghost, Pentecost Sunday only meetings. You can receive the Holy Spirit driving down the road. Please pull off the road. You can receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit out on the golf course, wherever you're at, and your heart is tuned in to the Lord, ready to receive. You can receive. Today, you can receive. You can receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, they were in a public feast. In Acts 10, they were at Cornelius' house. At Acts 8, they were in a gathering of believers. In Acts 9, they were at, Saul was at Ananias' home. In Acts 19, they were in the synagogue. There's a lot of places, and, and there's others. But, but you can receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit wherever. Today's a great day. Today's a great day. Another misconception we have is about who can receive. Jesus is the baptizer. I am not responsible for the results of you rece receiving. Jesus is the baptizer. Seek Him. Pursue Him. It's not my hand that you need. It's His touch. It's His impouring. It's not me. It's Him. He may use me. He may use someone else. But it's Jesus that you need. He is the baptizer. He is sitting right now in heaven pouring out from Him the baptism, the immersion in the Holy Spirit. And let me say this too. He's happy to do so. He's been anointed with the oil of gladness. He's received this happy, joyful Holy Spirit that He wants to give away freely to you. He's not sitting in heaven saying, hmm, who can I reserve this for? This is a special one. This, this Holy Spirit is special and unique, so we only want to give, give Him to certain believers. Special believers, right? We only want to give, you can interpret that however you want. We only want to give him to special believers, certain believers. No, this gift, this promise is for you. This promise is for you. The question is, do you have faith that Jesus wants you to have him? Do you have faith that Jesus wants you to have this baptism, this immersion in to the Holy Spirit? I'm going to see how far I can get in these. I just want to cover ten reasons why we pray in tongues and what the, what's the power behind the tongues. We know that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is empowerment for us to be witnesses. In our generation, though, the, the preachers have disconnected tongues, have disconnected the power of tongues, and it's created a stigma. So I want to get rid of the stigma for you about tongues. There is no stigma to have about speaking in tongues. It is as supernatural as laying hands on on someone and believing for their healing. It is as supernatural as believing for someone's salvation. Yeah. 
Amen? You can't see, you don't understand how salvation works, how someone can, can be born again. We don't understand all the mechanics of how that functions, but we know that it works and we see the fruit of it manifested in people's life when grace comes in contact with their life, right? We see holiness, we see righteousness, we see fruit of repentance. And so why, when we receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, would we disassociate the very sign, the evidence of the gift that God's given to us? Amen? There's power in tongues. There's power in the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And so there has to be power in tongues. If, if, if the baptism in the Holy Spirit is to give us power to be witnesses, then the tongues, the evidence of that, must have some power in them. There's got to be more than just babbling to this. There's got to be more than just speaking a funny language or yielding our tongue to, be, to, to the Holy Spirit. There's got to be more. And there is, and I want to cover some of those reasons. Number one, well, let me first jump back. <laughs> let me say this about the Holy Spirit. I don't want to leave this out. The Holy Spirit is the great communicator. I want you to think, when it comes to tongues, I want you to think just for a moment about the Holy Spirit and what He communicates to you. He takes what, of the, what is of the Father and He reveals it to you, Right? He takes, he takes the reality of salvation and reveals it to you, right? He takes the reality that you're a son or a daughter of God and reveals it to you, correct? He is the great communicator. He anoints the word of truth. He anoints the, the preaching and the teaching of the gospel. And so he is the divine communicator. So why, when he, we get immersed into the Holy Spirit, would he not affect our ability to communicate? Just think about that. If we get immersed into the Holy Spirit, who is the divine communicator, the one who reveals all things of God to us, why would he not affect our abilities to communicate? So he communicates how we witness. He, he, he affects how we communicate in witnessing. He affects how we communicate in worship. He affects how we communicate in prayer. He affects how we communicate. Some of us need help communicating. We all need help communicating, right? Just ask your spouse. They'll tell you you need help communicating. Rely on the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. So why tongues? Number one is that it restores divine communication. The baptism in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, restores divine communication. 1 Corinthians 14.2 says, For one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. Someone might say, well, then wouldn't it be better if we were to prophesy? I mean, after all, we can understand that. You know, we start pulling all these scriptures. You know, how many of you ever heard someone start pulling scriptures out? Well, we shouldn't do this and we shouldn't do this. Let me just set the record straight. The gifts of the Spirit are not in competition. One is not better than the other. It is a manifestation of God Himself and, and for our edification, our comfort, our exhortation. And so when Paul's writing regarding spiritual gifts, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, they're not competing against one another. They are for all, all of us should experience those gifts. We need the gifts. We need the baptism. We need the prayer language. A every single thing that is available to us, we need. Yeah. It's a gift given to us by God for a reason. I think we need it. If he's giving it, I think we ought to obtain it. Yeah. Right? We shouldn't argue over whether or not one's better or the other. 
That's like me giving a gift to Jonathan and Zoe wanting it and complaining because she didn't get the same thing that he did. Hello? But we treat God the same way. Well, God, I like that, that gift better. I think I'd rather operate in that gift. When God knows the gift that you need operating in your life so that it will edify you and those around you. Seek Him. Let Him give you everything He possibly can. He wants to restore divine communication. Number two, it brings unity and fellowship. Jude 1, 20 and 21 says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. Brings unity. Praying in the Spirit building yourself up, but it brings unity within the fellowship. All of us have different backgrounds. All of us have different dynamics at work within our life. And the Holy Spirit divinely, supernaturally brings unity. If you, if you look back at Genesis 11, you see the, the Tower of Babel. They were all in unity, and they spoke one language. And what was God's response? I think it's verse 6 of Genesis 11. It says that nothing's impossible. They'll be able to accomplish whatever they set their hand to. Why? They were in unity. They had one vision, and they were speaking the same language. Tongues brings us under one vision with the same language. When you want to argue, pray in tongues. When you don't agree, pray in tongues. When you think it should be done better, pray in tongues. Pray in tongues a lot. Pray in tongues until you have breakthrough. Praying in tongues, praying in the Spirit brings unity in the fellowship, brings unity in us to us together. And uh, unity, it actually aligns, praying in the Spirit will actually align yourself in unity. Have you ever noticed that your, your emotional self wants to get out of whack or your mental self wants to get out of, out of it wants to be mental, it wants to get out of whack? Your physical body wants, when you begin to pray in the Spirit, it brings unity. It unifies your whole being, spirit, soul, body. Brings it into alignment, brings it into order. Jude also covers that. It says, edify yourselves, building yourselves up in Jude 120. This is the greatest solution for self-help. Pray in the Spirit. This is the greatest solution for finding encouragement and satisfaction in your life. Praying in the Spirit. There, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not saying that psychology and counseling, all that's bad. I'm, we need that. But there is a part of us, a part of ourselves, counseling, psychology, mental health, can all of those things, self-help, can only touch the... the the soulish man, the mind, the will, and the emotions. But there is a spirit man that's very much alive on the inside of us that needs ministry, needs to be edified, needs to be encouraged, and praying in tongues is, is a means for that to happen. It's building your spirit man up. It's building your faith. That's number four. It builds our faith. Jude tells us it's building us up, builds up our faith. Have you ever been in a place where you had low faith? You felt like one of the disciples and Jesus was staring at you saying, you of little faith, been there? I don't know that this is possible. God could pray in the Spirit. It, it builds up your faith. It brings eternal realities into perspective. Praying in the Spirit brings, brings eternal perspectives. It brings the Word of God into alignment for you. And you begin to see what you wouldn't see in the natural. Number five, praying in the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Anybody 
have weaknesses. <laughs> Everybody in the room needs to raise their hand, don't lie. We all, we all have weights and weaknesses and sins and areas of our life. Praying in the Spirit, Romans 8, 26. In the same way. Everybody say, in the same way. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know how we ought to pray. We don't know how to handle this. We don't, we're in the middle of our weakness. We don't know how to handle that situation. We don't know what to do about that. Pray in the Spirit. Have you ever been faced with, with a situation that you could not resolve, you could not fix, you didn't even know or have the wisdom to understand that situation? Praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit helps us in our weakness. The Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings that are too deep for words. Again, this is a great picture. Well, some people say, well, that's just groaning. You know, it's just a groaning. Well, it is. It can be a groaning, but that's also a picture of tongues. There's a, a spiritual groaning in an unknown language uh, to the Lord, asking for wisdom, asking for help, praying according to the will of God. He helps us. He helps us in our weakness. Verse 27, the next verse actually tells us, number 6, that we pray for ourselves and others according to the will of God. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to what? The will of God. So when you pray in the Spirit, you're praying the will of God. If you're not sure, that's a pretty powerful thing, don't you think? It's a lot better than praying your own will, your own understanding, it's, it's better than praying your own limited understanding of this situation. But when you begin to pray in the Spirit, you're praying God's will over that situation. And sometimes you can begin to step in as you pray in the Spirit. You might be praying for the person that you hate and that you despise and that you really don't want to succeed and you really don't want to have freedom. But your natural carnal nature doesn't want to pray that, Right? When Jesus says, bless your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, we're not all signing up for that prayer meeting, right? <laughs> Even though that's what we should. So the Holy Spirit, though, prays the will of God. So for that circumstance, that situation, that person, you begin to pray in tongues, all of a sudden you're praying the will of God concerning them. You're bypassing your natural brain, your carnal logic, and you're praying, you're interceding by the Holy Spirit, praying the will of God. What would happen if you spent more time praying in the Spirit about your life than praying in the natural? I'm not saying that we don't need to pray in the natural. Paul taught us that we pray in our spirit. We pray with our understanding. We pray with our natural man. We sing in the Spirit. We sing with our understanding. We do both. It's not either or, it's both. And so we have to have both. But we've gotten so understanding driven, we're, we've become headlocked. We've, we've gotten so focused on, we've got to pray in the understanding. I've got to have understanding. I don't understand. I understand. That we've gotten headlocked. And we're, the river, let me tell you something. The river of God doesn't flow from your brain, it flows from your inner man. Yeah. Out of your belly will flow rivers. Understanding will come as you pray in the Spirit. Yes. Understanding will come as you pray in the Spirit. Have you ever noticed that you've been in a situation where you've been praying in the Spirit? You didn't know what? You did not have understanding at all. But you take time to pray in the Spirit. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit begins to illuminate for you the understanding that you need for that situation. Right? That's the, that is the job of the Holy Spirit to illuminate, to make known to us 
the things that are of God. He's, he's the greatest Google search ever. You know, you just type it, you know, you just pray in the spirit and he searches the vast knowledge. Some of you that are younger got that. The rest of you are like, Google, Google search, what? You'll get it when you go home. He searches the vast knowledge of God, the eternal, limitless knowledge and wisdom of God, and he applies it to our situation. That's exactly what I needed to hear. That's exactly the word of God that I needed for this situation. That's the scripture that I needed. And it all happens as we pray in the spirit, yielding to the Lord. So that was six. We pray for ourselves and others according to the will of God. Number seven, the Spirit reveals the wisdom of God. We just talked about that. 1 Corinthians 2.10 and 12 says, But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. See, it's right there. Google in the Bible. He searches all things, the deep things of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God that we might, what? Know. The know. we got to know. How we know? The Holy Spirit reveals it. That we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Does that mean that God has a limitless supply of gifts for you? Absolutely. God has a limitless blessing for your life. Limitless supply. Limitless gifts for you. And the way that you know what's available to you is through the Holy Spirit. He makes, it, he makes it real to you. When we say you've got to appropriate the promises of God for your life, how do you begin to know what those are? Well, you're in the Word, obviously, and the Holy Spirit begins to take those, the Word of God, and He says, this is the promise for you concerning this area of your life. Anybody hear what I'm saying? He takes the word, the sword of the spirit, he takes the word, the sword the spirit uses, he takes the word and applies it to an area of your life and says, this is the promise for you concerning this situation. And now all of a sudden you have something to appropriate for your life, a word, wisdom of God to stand on concerning the things that you might be going through or facing direction that you need in life. Number eight, it is a sign to the unbelievers. 1 Corinthians 14, 22. Turn on your listening ears to this. This is countercultural to most churches. 1 Corinthians 14, 22. It is a sign to the unbelievers. Therefore, tongues are for a sign not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. This is in the Bible. Wow. This is so liberating. You know, I can't tell you how many, and I'm talking preachers, people have told me, well, we don't want to pray in tongues when, when lost people are in the, in the building because they don't understand. They're not meant to. Well, they're not meant to. They're not, they're, they're not going to be able to. It is the Spirit of God at work, and they have no ability to comprehend with their natural mind the, the things of the Spirit. That's, Paul teaches that. But it is a sign nonetheless to them. It's a sign. Paul says it right here. It is a sign to the unbelievers. He goes on, well, and you know, you might be thinking, well, what about prophecy? What about the other gifts? I mean, it goes on to say that prophecy is better because they'll understand it, right? Yeah, keep reading. In that same passage, it says, if you have a tongue, pray in tongue. If you pro let him who prophesies, prophesy. Let him who preaches has a testimony, let him do it. And so it's saying, don't forbid any of it. 
It's all ministry. It all comes together in a supernatural body, supernatural working. We don't exclude any of the gifts. We bring it all together in one big gumbo pot called the church body, and God ministers to people through it. That's how it works. Thank you, Jesus. That's how it works. That's You want to know mechanics of the Holy Ghost? Right here, mechanics 101 of the Holy Ghost. Bring your gift to the table and let the Holy Spirit use you. It's really that simple. It's really that simple. You say, well, there's got to be order and decency. Yeah, the whole, yeah, the Holy Spirit's really good. He's been, he's been ordering and bringing decency for thousands of years to the church. He does a great job at running the church. He doesn't need me to run his church for him or you. He's good at this. You say, well, people are fleshly. They sure are. And that's why we have pastors to lead and shepherd the flock. But, but God is not dependent upon me or you to, to do this. We just got to yield and become vessels that he can use, that, is, that we're willing to be used of the Lord. Amen. Number nine, ministers to our inner man. Isaiah 28, we read it earlier. It's a rest. It's refreshing for our soul. He brings weary he brings rest to the weary. Let me say that right. He brings rest to the weary, not weary to the rest. He, I guess it goes both ways. But he brings rest to the weary. Praying in tongues is rest. And number 10, now make sure you get this one really good. Number 10, we are controlling our tongue. Anybody have problems doing that? We all do. We all want to say things and 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 that are not necessarily edifying or beneficial. But praying in the Spirit is controlling our tongue. James 3.2 says, We all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. So praying in the Spirit is like putting a bridle in your mouth. It's like putting a bit in your mouth. You're yielding your mouth to the Holy Spirit and what He wants to say, not what you want to say. It's funny because when, when I've watched people get baptized in the Holy Spirit, there, sometimes you see this battle between, well, I want to say thank you, Jesus, and hallelujah a hundred million times. When the Holy Spirit, you're receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit in that moment, you just got to speak out what the Holy Spirit is saying. You got to yield your voice and begin to speak. You got to talk, not what you want, but what the Holy Spirit wants. You have to yield to the Spirit of God. We have this idea that when we receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is just going to come and jerk our tongue around, and that's how, that's how tongues happen. That's tongues. Shabba dabba ding dong, and who stole my Honda is not tongues. <laughs> okay? That's not what the Holy Spirit's going to do. When you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, it's precious, it's beautiful, it's, it's holy, and you yield your mouth. You begin to speak what the Spirit is giving you the ability to speak. The Holy Spirit gives the utterance. He gives the ability. He gives the words. Your mouth opens up and speaks. You know, the funny thing about it, and, and you, some of you have seen the video, I've showed it before, but science has actually studied this. You're the, the vocal part of your brain that controls your speech when you pray in tongues is turned off. 
Your spirit, man, is praying. Your brain is not. Your, your vocal part of your brain actually turns off, scientifically studied, turns off when you pray in the spirit. Why? Because you're allowing your spirit man to speak. It's, it's your mouth yielding to your spirit man, not your mouth yielding to your brain. There's a difference. Your brain has a lobotomy. It goes away. You have a brain bypass when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Your brain, and that's for some of us, how many of you know our brain needs to get cut off sometimes? We, we want to try to figure it out, think it through. we got to know A, B, C, D, E, all the concepts, all the... We just need to turn that off and listen to our spirit man who's in communion with the Lord. So how do you receive? I'm so glad you asked. How do you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit? It's really simple. Matthew 7, 7 says this. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Pretty simple. Ask, seek, knock. Acts 2, 39. Again, Peter said, this promise is to you, your children. You, it's a gift. It's a promise for you. God's promises are what? Yes and amen. So it's a promise. You can have it. There's no question about it. It's a promise for you. Psalms 81.10 says, open your mouth and I will fill it. Just open up your mouth and he'll fill it. He does every day. He's so good at it. He knows what he's doing. So you got to ask in faith, Lord, here I am. I'm asking, Jesus, baptize me in the Holy Spirit. You've got a desire. There's got to be a, a seeking, a desire of the Lord. How does that happen? You seek Him. There's a desire. The Lord rewards those who earnestly seek Him. If you're hungry, if you're desiring, if you're seeking by faith, and then receive it. You know, when you go to someone's house... And, and you walk up to the door, and you knock on the door. What is your anticipation? They're going to let you in. You wouldn't knock on the door if you didn't expect them to come open it. Right? When you go to somebody's door and you knock, the anticipation is that they're going to open it, and what are you going to do? You're going to go in. Unless you have some social anxiety, you're, you're not going to stay out on the porch and look and stare at them. You went and you knocked on the door and they say, come in, you're coming in, you're going to go in. The same thing is with the gift, this wonderful baptism in the Holy Spirit. When you ask, you ask in faith. When you seek, you're earnestly desiring. And when you're knocking, you're anticipating that God's opening the door for. Even as you ask, he's already made a way. It's called Jesus. He's already made a way and you just have to receive. You just have to receive. Just walk on in. It's really that simple. You say, well, what about, you know, I, I've had people, I've had bad experience, or I've seen, I've seen. Listen, how many of you have seen a, something weird or bad, had had bad experiences when it comes to people and their teaching on the Holy Spirit and ministering in the Holy Spirit? Anybody? Just wave at me. We've all been there. We've all been there. But that's why we need preaching and teaching of sound doctrine. That's why I'm preaching and teaching what I am this morning. Is so that you can begin to remove the stigma, that, that bad experience, and realize this is low pressure. I said it Wednesday night. Low pressure, high faith. Low pressure, high faith experience. There is no expectation of you. We have our expectation in God. God is the baptizer. Jesus is the baptizer. We have faith in him. We expect that he's going to baptize. Your job is just simply to receive. Amen? And this is a one-time experience. So if you've received the baptism in the Holy Spirit before, you need a fresh infilling every day. 
This is continual. This isn't a one dab will do you 30, 40, 50 years ago. This is every day fresh, new oil from heaven being poured out all over your head, running down your beard, Aaron. You know, just in Psalms 133, let it drip, let it run, let it run, drip, drip, let it run. Like on the dew of Hermon. Like the dew, what's that? Like the dew of Hermon. you got to just let the dew, let it run down. Is that the verse? There, those are, there's an inside joke there. Let the dew of Hermon. Don't become crusty and cracked out Christians. Just let the dew of Hermon drip down. Let it run down. Don't be dried out. Fresh oil from heaven. Why don't you stand with me? Jesus. Jesus, we need more, Lord. We want more of you. We want more of you, Lord. Holy Spirit, we just thank you that the atmosphere of this room is one of faith and that there are those in this room that have faith to receive. Lord, I thank you that right now that, that faith comes by hearing and today hearing the word of the Lord, that there are those in this room, Lord, even as we have been preaching and ministering today, Lord, that that there's faith stirring, that, that there are those right now that are hungry to receive, Lord, maybe a, a first time, first time baptism in the Holy Spirit, maybe, maybe those that need to be refilled, refreshed, Lord, those that are hungry for more. Lord, I thank you that today is a day of visitation. It's a day of power. Lord, it's a day that, Lord, each person in this room can step into new, new, newness of life, Lord, newness of life, newness of life with you, newness of life with your spirit, Lord, walking, walking in the spirit, not walking after the ways of the flesh, but walking in the spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so hard.